Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff Capes here in Flower Mound. I'll get to the details some of you have been asking about in the uh, Metroplex here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I'll also have a good breakdown of the Central Florida and Boise State scheduling uh, war that may be taking place as people start trying to upgrade the Central Florida schedule in the wake of the new hire of Gus Malzahn. I'll take a look back at Boise State and Central Florida and how their scheduling has worked out. Plus, uh, take a look at Boise State's basketball program, which is going to let fans into uh, Taco Bell Arena and some of the implications of that. But really, the news most of you have been uh, hearing about from afar is what's happening here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area weather-wise. And I think it, you know, it started really with a very rare snowstorm. Uh, I think a lot of sports fans remember the Super Bowl that took place here some 11 years ago. And there were ice storms and all kinds of issues in and around AT&T Stadium. And it was rare. <clears throat> and uh, what for whatever reason, I was at that Super Bowl and experienced that. It uh, certainly was a challenge to get around Dallas-Fort Worth uh, with the ice on the roads. This is a little different. Uh, there was four inches of snow that fell uh, where we live here in Flower Mound, which is oh, approximately uh, 10, 15 miles north and a little west of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So for all intents and purposes, whatever you read about what's happening at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, it's going to affect where I live and thousands and thousands and thousands of other uh, people in North Texas, they call it, uh, live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so the snow kind of started it, and then the plummeting temperatures, uh, which got into the single digits, some areas even a little below that, you know, in some regards, hadn't seen that in 100 years, others say 50 years, whatever the number is, it's nothing that they ever counted on. And uh, with that came a rush of uh, folks that wanted to get warm. And then the power outages started because they had to manage uh, the surges and the amount of power that was going to be available for the state of Texas because uh, this was happening all over the state. So for us here personally, you know, we had the four inches of snow, uh, brought our snow shovel from Boise, was able to uh, clear it in preparation for snow. As I broadcast this, that was supposed to occur in my area of Flower Mound, Texas, uh, did not occur. A little dust, maybe an inch, and I think that will basically melt off. Uh, but I did notice most of the folks did not shovel snow. Uh, the roads were not equipped really to... Uh, handle that many uh, commuters specifically on the uh, highways and interstates but they came to grips with it and yeah not that they didn't have their share of accidents but uh, it, that combined with the low temps though and the power outages has really uh, shaken the Dallas-Fort Worth area 
uh, our own personal situation as it relates to these power outages is that we've been in a 45 minute <clears throat> to an hour uh, pacing of on and then in 45 minutes to an hour off. And so in where we live and for most folks, when your power goes off, you lose your heat. And uh, that's not uh, anything unique to me. It's, it's affecting uh, literally a million or more uh, residents in and around uh, the state and in this area specifically. So it's real. Uh, there is a promise of warmer temperatures coming our way. So uh, that's positive. Uh, the fact that we had power on and off uh, since Monday morning at about 2.30 in the morning is a lot more than other residents. Like where my daughter lives in Carrollton, she did not have uh, power and still doesn't. And uh, that's a big apartment complex affecting you know thousands of people in Carrollton, Texas. So uh, everybody's had a different experience. And certainly we were fortunate to have a 45-minute on, 45-minute off uh, surge of power keeping the home warm. And so that's been a, a good thing. When this will end, nobody knows. Uh, it does make it a little bit challenging as I broadcast this, um, at least tape it. You know, I'm just doing it on the battery power of everything. At other times, I can work off of uh, electrical power. But uh, the biggest, I think, challenge we had on, on some level was a lot of folks in this area of the country will have pools. And uh, your instinct is to turn off everything to your pool in the winter and drain it of its water and not have to deal with it. Well, that's the opposite of having a healthy pool and keeping your pipes and your motors in good working condition. And so we've left the water in the pool like most everybody does. And then it runs on a freezing sort of cycle. When freezing temperatures set in, it automatically kicks on and circulates water uh, through the pool so that the pipes never get to a point where they freeze and then ultimately can explode on you. So uh, the challenge is that with these lower temperatures, your pool will lose water over time and you have to refill it or you can damage your motor as it tries to run so we had to scramble yesterday and my wife was taking the uh, hair dryer to the faucet and we were uh, getting exercised by filling trash can uh, buckets filled with water to put into the pool so that the motor could run efficiently but it all worked out water got into the pool and thousands of dollars of potential damage uh, hopefully has been averted all right, we all know the football season is definitely in our rear view mirror, but it doesn't mean you can't get over and make a few bets on the NBA or college basketball or the NHL because they're going on. And the only place you should be getting that done is at betonline.ag. Uh, I've had some good luck on occasion during the tournament betting on college basketball, is especially early on in the tournament. So you may want to get your work in now so you can get over to bet online if you want to bet on things like reality tv or award shows or tv shows they have props there for that they have a lot of other props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine and of course if you've got that uh, itch you can scratch your casino uh, gaming needs a 24-hour online casino awaits at uh, bet online so head over to the website use your mobile device you can sign up today and get 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's betonline.ag
All right, enough on the uh, weather situation here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which I do appreciate, though, everybody's concern. It, it, has, it did have its challenges. Uh, let, let, I'll get into the fans at Taco Bell Arena that will be watching Boise State and Utah State, or by the time you listen to that, already watched it and what kind of process they went through at the state. But uh, I think it was a very significant moment in Central Florida uh, football history when they named their new coach Gus Malzani comes over from Auburn there's all kinds of tie-ins of course with Brian Harson taking off to Auburn but uh, let's just zero in on the Central Florida phenomena if you if you really look at it that that's the biggest threat that's the team the school with the biggest threat to capturing uh, Boise State's position per se in the college football world as the um, underdog and the, the the smaller school that goes out and and does big things so I thought it would be interesting if I took a little deeper dive into some of the scheduling philosophies that the two schools have had. And what keyed me into that uh, was a comment uh, that was made uh, by uh, Gus Malzahn about a scheduling philosophy and uh, that they may be changing that as they move forward. The new athletic director as well sort of echoed in on this and suggested that Maybe they would look at some two-for-ones from some power fives. They do think that they can get themselves into the college football playoff as it exists with four teams. And in order to do that, uh, the thinking was that, all right, maybe we have to go out and play uh, some power five teams that have college football playoff sort of potential. And it made me wonder about Boise State's scheduling philosophy and how it stacks up with Central Florida. Remember, these two teams will play this fall. Um, I do. I, I did find it interesting, and I always do, in, in how Central Florida is marketing themselves. It's uh, a planned campaign, and I and I say this without any judgment towards it. Uh, actually, some admiration that uh, they've figured all this out because I think looking at it from a Boise State perspective, there's a big benefit to it. But when Malzahn stands up and calls Central Florida a top twenty coaching job in the country, hey, that's his opinion, and uh, he is a significant. Uh, a person who has achieved a lot in college football by what he did at, at Auburn. And uh, that statement, all right, uh, for him, maybe that's true. For a lot of others, maybe it isn't. But whatever, uh, the positioning is there. They want people to consider Central Florida in that manner, and their campaign is firing on all cylinders, even though the transition uh, with athletic directors is complete and coaches as well. So they, they've stayed on that. The athletic director <clears throat> had been at Arkansas State before, so uh, Terry Mahajer, who had a great run at Arkansas State, you know, and uh, lost Gus Malzahn and hired Brian Harson and had to continue to, to, to move on, has had a chance to rehire him and has done just that. The, the, the tie-ins are interesting in that you know Central Florida beat Auburn in, in 2017 in, in a uh, college football playoff game. Uh, Malzahn was the coach at Auburn. And you know Malzahn has tie-ins into a Boise State storyline with Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, Malzahn really came out of the high school ranks in Arkansas. And he was there for 14 years as a high school coach before he rose in the profession to coordinator at Auburn, head coach at Arkansas State, and then ultimately head coach at Auburn and now head coach at Central Florida. He ran across Eli Drinkwitz, who's a former Boise State offensive coordinator and coach and now the head football coach at Missouri. When Malzahn uh, left Springdale, Arkansas, Drinkwitz came in after him, and I'm sure that's where that relationship may have begun. 
Um, and the first big break, uh, really, you know, Malzahn gets the big break and, and gets the job at Arkansas. And guess what? He was hired by Houston Nutt. <laughs> and it was seen as a way to get a, a high-profile recruit and tap into a brilliant offensive mind. And that all was accomplished. <clears throat> Drinkwitz ultimately uh, followed and joined uh, Malzahn at Auburn. He went in as a quality control assistant when uh, Malzahn was at Auburn as a coordinator. Uh, when Malzahn took off for Arkansas State as the head coach, Drinkwitz followed him there. And I thought it was a little interesting in that when Malzahn left Arkansas State for Auburn, he did not take Drinkwitz, his running back coach, with him. Uh, Drinkwitz stayed and got a job with Brian Harson, and then ultimately Harson brought Drinkwitz to Boise State, and the rest is is history on down the road. So there is that connection. You can see some of the influence of the fast break offense, the wide open uh, skill that uh, Mal- Malzahn brings. Um, I think it was a, a coach. I think it was Kirby Smart. I read a quote that said, "Hey, if you can just survive the first quarter." against Malzahn and Auburn until you figure it out, then you'll be okay. But you've got to survive till you figure out what Malzahn is doing. And that's one thing he has pledged. He's going to go back to play calling at Central Florida, who is Boise State's opening uh, opponent for the 2021 football season. It's become even more interesting now. The Andy Avalos-inspired defense with Spencer Danielson uh, taking on Gus Malzahn and the Central Florida-led offense. So that's going to be a a tremendous opener. But I want to talk a little bit more about scheduling and how that's all worked out because Central Florida, their opening presser, said they were going to flex and perhaps look at two-for-ones to get themselves in a better position playing college football playoff-type opponents. Hey, the Kingdom of Pod is brought to you in part by eBay, the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing remember at ebay they have an authenticity guarantee your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional they're all professional as a matter of fact at ebay as they make sure that everything gets the authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also will protect anybody who wants to sell their sneakers with a verified return process so if you're a seller remember ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of over a hundred dollars and now it's free to sell or flip your collection so go to ebay.com sneakers today ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, I took a deeper dive looking at both Central Florida and Boise State's schedules. Then we'll get into this Boise State basketball situation. But I thought it would be, you know, interesting to look at Boise State's football scheduling after 2014 because there was a run there during the Kellen Moore years and a little bit after where ESPN and and, and others were matchmaking some games for Boise State, putting together these Georgia games or Virginia Tech games or Ole Miss contests in these Chick-fil-A kickoff classics. And that was a special time. Uh, Central Florida wasn't anywhere near the program they are now as well. So I started with the 2015 season and then went all the way through 2021 and even looked as far as 2025 for future opponents. Uh, but when I took a look at, say, Boise State's schedule first, I, I wanted to know 
from 2015 through the 2021 schedule coming up, you know, how many college football playoff type teams does Boise State play or have scheduled? And the only one I could come up with in that entire time period uh, legitimately that uh, should be in this conversation uh, was, would be two. Uh, Washington, is kind of I had to throw that out, but I'll just bring it up, the fact that I know they're a CFP team. It was after Boise State uh, engaged them before this last time in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, but when Boise State signed the contract to play Washington in 2011, uh, they signed this deal, and previous to signing the deal, six of the last seven seasons before Blameyer signing that contract were losing seasons for Washington. So they were reeling at that time. They had Sarkeesian um, in tow, but they were reeling, and they were nowhere near what Coach Pete uh, did for them. And, of course, Florida State, Boise State would have played twice by now, but at least got the one game in, uh, ultimately in Tallahassee. So I do think that's a high-quality opponent. So I'm going to give Boise State uh, the point there in having scheduled a college football playoff team or two. When I looked at Central Florida between those same dates of 2015 through uh, 21, I, I didn't see any. Uh, they, they didn't go out and schedule any uh, college football playoff team. You could argue that the game they had at the big house against Michigan in 2016 was a lofty reach. I'm not going to take that away from them, but <clears throat> Michigan has fallen fall short, uh, uh, very short of getting themselves into uh, college football playoff territory in the top four. So maybe they are similar to where Washington was at, but they do deserve credit. Overall, uh, how many power five opponents from 2015 through 21 uh, did Boise State have scheduled? Well, that would be 10. And, and I, by the way, in the 2020 schedule, I gave credit to Boise State, for example, for having scheduled uh, Florida State. I gave credit to Central Florida for Georgia Tech and North Carolina, even though the schedules uh, worked out pretty different. So uh, let, let's go back and look at that for Boise State. Ten Power Five opponents from 15 through 2021. And I was a little surprised when I went over and looked at how many Power 5 opponents Central Florida had scheduled. They actually had 12. And there are some scheduling differences in, in all of this in that when Boise State sits down and looks at their schedule, uh, BYU is in there consistently. Now, interestingly enough, Central Florida and BYU are starting a series but Boise State counts BYU as a tough opponent, a tough game, and it takes that spot. And I, I would say, as we all have seen those games, that they, they warrant that. You know, at times when they're great at quarterback, uh, they play as well as many Power 5 schools and, and better than, than most other than the very top end of it. Of course, they've had their, their rough times as well. But I just looked at it from that side of it and said, you know, Central Florida scheduled more Power Fives in that time period than Boise State. The real difference in these two programs comes in what's coming up. Boise State right now with a tremendous amount on the books with the Oklahoma States, Michigan States, Oregon States, uh, Oregon. And on the other hand, Central Florida 
really when you get past Georgia Tech or North Carolina in the foreseeable future through 2025, they don't have anything of significance on the books. So moving forward, you know, they have a series between them, Boise State and UCF. Uh, but I think there's room for Central Florida to move up and, and maybe grab an opponent as significant as, say, Oregon for Boise State. Uh, there's a college football playoff contending team. Michigan State has the potential to be that group, and you could argue that Mac Brown and North Carolina have that potential uh, to be that. Uh, Oregon, though, has been there, has played in a national championship game. So that series alone uh, would put to me, uh, for the next you know four-year cycle, Boise State a little bit ahead of this uh, in this race with Central Florida. But with them playing each other, uh, that's going to sort of knock one of them out if it ever came down to one or the other to get into a New Year's Day 6 bowl game. So I thought the scheduling was interesting. Uh, Boise State's philosophy of you know playing a, a group of five team that's somewhere in the middle to bottom and then maybe even some midstream uh, power five teams like the Oklahoma States, you, you, you really can't put them in the same category as, as Michigan uh, or Oregon, for example. They're a good program, that, you know, but Virginia, uh, Oregon State, you know, some of those schools are in that different quadrant of power five football. Uh, same with Georgia Tech for Central Florida. And you know, since Mac Brown came around, North Carolina is, is starting to climb and will always have uh, great athletes. So this scheduling thing uh, will work itself out, and I think Central Florida will make some aggressive moves, probably take some of those two-for-ones where uh, they leave, as they call it, the bounce house and, and take an opponent somewhere else because they have truly made it their mission now to get themselves into the college football playoff by trying to schedule and play some of those teams. Last ad for this uh, Kingdom of Pod has nothing to do with Boise State uh, football, but you know, as conditions, I guess, come up, I do find what's going on with Boise State basketball to be uh, interesting, not as much again on the court, but off. And right now we, we see that fans are going to be allowed into uh, Extra Mile Arena, so up to 900 fans, which uh, had to be auctioned off through people who've earned that right. And I think, you know, students and all the people who put in the most amount of money and time as supporters of uh, Boise State Athletics or uh, Boise State Basketball are going to get that opportunity. And if the folks there in the Boise area have approved all of this, uh, then the state or the county uh, have to take a back seat to that. And, and that's how it worked. Um, I, I, I have to look at it from a little different lens in that having seen uh, what's going on right in front of me here in Flower Mound, Texas, with power outages uh, every 45 minutes, uh, temperatures in the single digits, that you know the basketball, football, and any sport we want to talk about are truly there for entertainment purposes only. And uh, when you start talking about things beyond that, um, other people are in charge. And I think all the folks who wanted fans to be in the stands uh, whether they be the athletic director, the coach, uh, the fans, who, the, the folks who cover the team, all have great intentions and for the best reasons. They just want to enjoy their experience better and they think there's uh, too much caution when there can be still a lot of safety and experience to be had in between. So uh, there's no criticism for that. Uh, it's understandable for, for everybody involved. And I think for you know the folks that didn't want to see 
anything over 50 people to go anywhere and do anything, they just don't see the benefit of it. They just see that there's other ways to to spend their energy and they didn't really want to look into it much further than that. I don't begrudge the mayor or any central district health person for any of that. I do believe people are acting in all of our best interests here. I know there's a lot of politics and so many things that happen anymore. Uh, but in this particular case, I just think they're trying to be uh, pretty protective of the, the athletes involved and not getting sick and, and all those things. So it's great uh, that they're letting them in. I was not surprised that the folks from Utah State or UNLV did not want to go and let fans in at the Idaho Center. Uh, nothing They were going to gain nothing out of that. Uh, so let's just let it go on, all right? You're going to have 900 fans in a 12,500-seat arena. <laughs> and if you're Boise State, it's better than nothing. If it's Utah State, they may take it on as more attitude and say, bring it on. So they brought it on and go out and enjoy the game, and, and I'm sure everybody will stay safe. That's it here from Flower Mound. If you like this podcast, rate, review, pass it on to a friend. Uh, if you'd rather subscribe and get this in your email, you can do so uh, by going to kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com, and you can subscribe there, and I'll just be sending it to you in your email. Uh, if you want to do it otherwise, you probably know how to do that through your favorite podcast. Till next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.